Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Dr. Silver, my friend, welcome back to the show. Very nice to talk to you. How are you? Good morning, Dean. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we uh, jump into a couple of topics here, and I really want to get to uh, as many phone calls as we possibly can this morning, 312-981-7200. I just want to, it's been uh, a little while since we've talked COVID at all or anything related to that. Uh, What is the uh, the latest uh, on, you know, are are we seeing infections going up? Are we seeing them going down? I think I read this week that the CDC was planning on changing uh, their distancing uh, rules for people with uh, COVID. Is, is is that correct? Yes, that's that's what we're that's what it looks like. At least that's what all the news would indicate. Um, I don't I don't have a direct line to the CDC, but but I think it, I think they're probably heading in that direction. Um, so so what they're talking about doing is. Um, removing the stay-at-home isolation policy for five days um, as long as you're you're not having a fever or significant symptoms you can you can go back to work is, is what it looks like they're going to say so that's probably good news then i guess right that they feel like it's a little more controllable than they uh, maybe originally thought when we we really knew nothing about this when when it first came out Definitely a sign of the times, and and I think these uh, these isolation policies that we've had have really taken a toll on folks. Um, because if you're staying home, obviously, if you're a worker, uh, those wages are gone uh, potentially. And then uh, if you have kids, how are you going to um, take care of them? Um, so so at any rate, the, the um, you know people continue to. Sh- to shed the virus for anywhere from six to 11 days, um, young people infectious for a much shorter period and older people can, can be shedding the virus for a longer time. Uh, so I think that rather than focusing uh, or being hyper-focused on isolation, really the simple things like uh, vaccinations and masks, um, which can, can do an, an enormous amount of uh, defensive work against uh, spreading the infection. Okay. Now, uh, as far as long COVID, could you first explain what that is and uh, why why we're why we're seeing an upswing in some states? Uh, the long COVID continuing and continuing to cause problems for people who get it. Yeah, well, long COVID is is a bit of an enigma, um, and, and the reason is is that the the uh, symptoms are so varied and have so much crossover with a variety of other conditions. Um, and so symptoms can include anything from, from just being tired to chronic fatigue to something people refer to as brain fog, where they're just, their cognition is just not what it was prior to the illness. And then more serious uh, or more obvious symptoms, such as shortness of breath, chest pain, dizziness. There's just so many symptoms. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and other symptoms that, that, that doctors may not be as, as, as able to kind of easily touch on, but patients say, you know, I just don't quote-unquote, feel right. Um, and then the rates of this disease, this long COVID, we, we really just don't know. It could be anywhere as low as a you know a couple percentage points to some folks think that it's as high as 25%. Um, you made a mention of the states. Um, you know, there was some, a study that came out recently that looked at the hardest-hit states, which were in the south, the plain states, and the west of the United States. Um, so there's definitely some population areas that, for, for whatever reason, are more susceptible to this. 
Um, and I think it's just going to take a long time to parse out all the data. I, I will say, Dean, I, I, I'm not certain that any of this is new to uh, the human condition, uh, meaning that, uh, you know, the immune system is a, is a very, very complex and intricate part of the human body. And it has been long felt, uh, and I think even proven, that um, many viruses in our past, way long before COVID was even on our radar, um, have contributed to autoimmune diseases. So your, your immune system sees a virus uh, and then develops an immunity towards the virus, but there's overlap in the protein shape and configuration to a part of your body like, uh, for instance, your pancreas, uh, and then your immune system starts to atta- attack your pancreas, and voila, you've got type 1 diabetes. Hmm. Uh, and so I think that there may be some understanding around that as time goes on, that, that long COVID is really a function of the immune system. But, but I'm, not, you know, I'm not an expert in this. It's just a little armchair quarterbacking on my side. Yeah, what about, uh, I mean, the, the usual vaccines that hopefully we all have had by this point, uh, is that the best defense against this right now? I mean, is that if you want to say that you've done everything you can to combat this, is that the the usual set of vaccines that are out there right now? It seems to be that those who have had at least three vaccine series um, have had a lower risk of long COVID. Uh, and certainly those, unfortunately, if you have chronic medical condition before you, you got an an infection such as diabetes uh, or chronic kidney disease or, or an autoimmune condition, uh, you're, you're going to be more likely to develop long COVID. And, and we know that people who have uh, obesity um, are going to be at higher risk. So the one modifiable risk factor there, vaccination. Uh, let me get a, a call in here because I'm trying to get as many as we possibly can uh, on the segment here. And Mel, you're going to be first today, 312 312- Nine eight one seven two hundred. You're on with Dr. Silver. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dr. Silver. I am soon to be a 79-year-old. I had pneumonia, and to cut to the chase, 2005 was my 23-strain uh, pneumonia shot, the first one, told to get uh, follow-up seven years later. So at 2005, 2012, and 2019, now... On that pattern, I'm due for 2026. Uh, should I continue that for the rest of my life, or, or I've already had three already, or is that enough? What do you think, sir? Uh, well, thanks for calling, first of all. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you've been, sounds like you've had the Pneumovax uh, vaccine uh, against uh, strep pneumonia and all the variations of strep. Uh, I don't know if that schedule is going to change over time, um, sometimes the schedules do change, but my recommendation would be to, to continue to follow with your primary doctor. And primary care doctors are great at staying abreast of all the latest and greatest with respect to vaccines. Um, so that's that's my best advice there. But congratulations on, on being 79, and you sound like a, you're doing well. Typically, how often should one uh, get their pneumonia shot? Uh, so... So, Dean, the, uh, the pneumonia shot is, is basically uh, advised for, for the older crowd, um, and I'm not, I'm not prepared to talk about the, uh, the cadence for that uh, on the air because I, I typically would, would go to a resource. I, 
I am great at emergency medicine, but primary care is not my expertise, so I don't want to speak out of turn. Okay. But uh, you, can e- you can easily get those schedules online by going to the CDC or simply Googling pneumovax schedule. All right, let me take a break, and we'll come back. Uh, more questions for Dr. Jeremy Silver. Uh, doctor, one of the big stories this week was a former Chicago Bear great, Steve McMichael, uh, being uh, rushed to a hospital and put into intensive care. Uh, he has been living with Alzheimer's disease for some time now, but apparently this was a urinary tract in- infection this time, something that you definitely never want to hear with a patient like this. Uh, what What's the latest? What, what is, It's your best guess of what happened here. Well, first of all, I want to wish him and his family um, all the best and, and, and hopefully for a speedy recovery. I, I don't know anything about his medical condition. I have not looked at his medical records. Um, but I did see the headline about a transfusion and the intensive care unit, and certainly that that's going to indicate a certain level of severity. Um, and what I can say, generally speaking, about infections is uh, bacterial infections can lead to a condition called sepsis. Uh, and I think it would be reasonable to, to extrapolate that that's what's, what's going on for him. Uh, sepsis is when uh, the bacteria starts to spread from one particular area, like it starts out as a urinary tract infection or a pneumonia, and then gets into the bloodstream and, and starts ex- expanding through the body and, and causing uh, other problems for other organ systems. So certainly a very serious condition. Uh, and in the hospital, something we pay very, very close attention to, especially in the emergency room. Is this something typically that a patient with uh, amyotropic lateral sclerosis would have to deal with, or any patient, I guess, who is uh, in bed, you know, can't can't really uh, get out and, and move on their own. Is that part of the problem? Sure. I, I think that for, for a variety of reasons. One is simply as we age, our immune system is, is less robust. Uh, the, the same way that our, our, uh, our musculature, our muscle mass decreases over time and, and uh, our bones uh, lose their mineralization and, and, and things just kind of decline as we, as we march through the ages, uh, and particularly the immune system. Uh, but then you add on top of it a chronic disease, which chronic diseases cause chronic inflammation, and that impacts the ability of the immune system. The immune system gets distracted by that inflammation and is less able to fight off infection. And then you have the simple mechanical fact of, of you're lying in bed, you're not moving around the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is a series of channels through which the immune system flows. It's like the superhighway mm-hmm. for your autoimmune cells. Uh, and so if you shut down the highway, all, you, all you've got are back roads. And, and we think we can all relate to that not being as an effective way of transportation. So to extend the metaphor. Yeah, well, they're they're saying that he could be in the hospital for a couple of more days and then be back home again, which is uh, great news. Gary, you are on the air with Dr. Jeremy Silver. Hello. Hello. Hey, Dr. Silver, thank you for taking my call. Uh, six months ago, in October, I got a COVID shot in my left shoulder. And, uh, you know, I had the usual, what I thought were the usual pains. But uh, six months later, it still hurts. My range of motion is really decreased. And when I exceed that range of motion, it really hurts. Uh, I finally, after six months, went to the doctor. I, I kind of self-diagnosed it on Google as Serva. And uh, I asked my doctor to confirm that. And he said, oh, it's probably just a coincidence. And he prescribed some anti-inflammatories. 
Uh, is there any way to tell if it is syrup? And if it, if it is, is there any other kind of treatments? Uh, thanks. Thanks for the question. I'm so, sorry that, uh, that you've been dealing with that. that that's, that's miserable, especially when it's your shoulder and, and it's, uh, affects all manner of activity. You know, I, Yes. I'm not certain that there's there's going to be a way to, to to sort that out. You know, these these conditions are what you're describing is is not common, um, and you know it's possible that the, uh, the that certainly that the vaccine caused the, the problem. There, certainly, there, there's always the possibility that it, it was something developing over time and and unrelated. But um, you know, you as the patient would know best. I don't I don't know of any particularly of any. Good treatments, other than to say, you know, it's a it's a function of inflammation, um, and inflammation responds well in general to things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, drugs like Motrin or ibuprofen if you can take them. Um, ice, heat, uh, physical therapy, uh, if you can get in a hot tub um, or a sauna, that can be very helpful to it. Um, but but no magic bullet, certainly. I'm sorry to hear that. All right. Well, just want to kind of get a second opinion. I appreciate your second opinion. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Gary, thank you very much for your call. You doctors love it when we patients go to Google and do our own self-diagnosing, don't you? My, my doctor told me to stop it. He said, I have two, two <laughs> words for you. Stop that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I certainly sympathize with your doctor, uh, but, but I'll also say, I, I will say this. I, I do love it when patients have a sense of what's wrong with them because, so, you know, a significant proportion of the time, the patient's right. And and uh, far be it for me to, to kind of lead them down another road when they're trying to point me right to the, uh, to the problem. So yeah. I try to listen. And, and uh, you know, certainly there are folks that come in and say, Google told me I'm dying. And and I'll say, well, you're you're alive. You're in front of me and we're talking. Right. Yeah. So there's 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 always the risk. To, to, to take it to a hysterical point, but I think um, it's important for people to be educated and, and I'll sometimes, you know, say to somebody, you know, here, I think, you know, I think what's going on is X, Y, and Z while I'm, you know, while we're getting an X-ray, why don't you just Google that on your phone and we can talk more about it. So I'll try and use the technology to my advantage when there I can. Go. Yeah, there you go. Um, let me see. Apparently a couple of minutes ago, I uh, referred to Steve McMichael's condition as Alzheimer's. I misspoke. It is not. It is ALS, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. So I uh, apologize for the error on that. And in the meantime, uh, let's go to Jim on the phone line with a question for Dr. Jeremy Silver. Hi, Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I, I just have a, a, a quick question for Dr. Ed, but uh, Dean, I want to address as a pharmacist your question earlier about the new, uh, pneumonia vaccine. Yeah. The only current pneumonia vaccine is... is uh, Prevnar 20. If you haven't had Prevnar 20, you don't. You're not covered for anything that's going around right now. The okay. the other two are now non-existent. So that's the one you need to do. Prevnar 20 for anybody who hasn't had one in the last two or three years, probably. All right. Uh, my question for my question for doctor is is that uh, we're coming up on six months since we started the the latest COVID vaccine. Seems to me that it, it's something that's especially for us seniors. It's only really works and does well for six months. Have you heard anything about us getting a new opportunity to, to get another vac, another of the, uh, I guess, a booster of the booster? <laughs> a great, great question, and you make a terrific point. Uh, these uh, these boosts or boosters only last so long. 
and uh, and I think the six month time frame is is probably accurate. Uh, although what I've seen from the data is that uh, it, it still is effective for folks that had it um, against the JN.1 uh, variant, so the most recent uh, widely widely circulating variant in terms of preventing severe illness and death. As far as the next round, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be, I'll be watching that and, and certainly educating my, my patients on it. But for now, I think it's kind of a wait and see, and and, uh, and I don't have a good sense of when the next one's coming. Yeah, we'll uh, let you know as soon as we hear anything about that. Thank you for your call. And Dr. Jeremy Silver, thank you for joining us today. Medical Director, Emergency Medicine, Northwestern's Kishwaukee, Kishwaukee Hospital. Hope you have a great Sunday today, Doc. Thank you so much.